0: is Network Zero with a, another frequency shift. This is frequency frequency shift number four. And again, we are covering some more Kingdom Death content. So, given that I'm covering Kingdom Death, of course, I am joined by James once again. Hello, James.
1: Hey there, it's nice to be back.
0: Yes. It's been a while since we recorded anything. Um I think the reason we're also doing this is because A, Halloween is coming. Well, this will be going out now for Halloween, so it should be Halloween night when you listen to this, uh, or the night before, or the night after, whatever. Uh, I think everyone's a bit too busy to put out a regular episode because we're meant to be covering Werewolf at some point soon. It's just, you know, when you've got people that have academic schedules and doing lots lots of teaching. Me, not so much, but I think David's got a lot of teaching. We're um, it's having time to sit down and do the book justice and do a good podcast, so... That's why there's no content that way. Uh, but there is other content. So Darker Days Radio episode 73 is out, where Mike and Chig tackle uh, the um, the book for Wraith the Oblivion. It's a Black Dog... I think it's a Black Dog Games uh, industry uh, book because so, it covers the rather dark and uh, difficult topic to cover, which is Charnel Houses of Europe, the Shower. Covers, uh, this is Wraith the Oblivion, Oblivion tackling in what is being commended in, a, in a, an incredibly uh, well-measured and uh, an appropriate manner, how you deal with the Holocaust in World of Darkness. So go listen to that if you want to. Um, I'm sure it's, there's plenty of inspiration that for Chronicles of Darkness or really any uh, role-play game if you want to, dif- uh, want to tackle that uh, difficult time period in history. Um, but moving on, uh, what else have we been up to? So I went over to Ireland to uh, call to the Beasts, Beasts of War studio and recorded, uh, wow, one, two, the first five lantern years of Kingdom Death. So uh, an entirely new campaign was begun.
1: My goodness. I'm looking forward to, looking, uh, to watching those videos myself.
0: Yeah, so I think <laughs> the first video will be out, um, uh, should be out for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then the other four episodes will be out during the uh, during the time that the Kingdom Death Kickstarter for the reprint is running. So that will be as of Black Friday, twenty fifth November this year. Uh, I also know that that Kickstarter will, will be running for five weeks, so that will cover cover you know uh, enough time so people can get in on if they wanted to pledge, they have got like two paydays they could use towards pledging. So it's a making it run for five weeks is quite useful. Um, So yes, that's all good. So um, one, I I think the only thing to say about that, James, is that uh, starting a campaign from scratch again, Mm -hmm. um, again, you'll still get surprised by the game. Um, It's a very different experience. It's the first time I think, other than when we started your campaign, when you were visiting, um, it's the first time I've played with more than play the game other than solo. Uh, so it was myself, Warren, and uh, uh, and Justin uh, going through going through the campaign. And yeah, you know, it's it's uh, new, definitely new stuff turns up. also, you know, you have to see how the game where the game takes you, and it's uh, it's always really good fun. So clearly, I'll be going back to recording uh some more episodes with them at a later point um next you know sometime next year we'll plow through another five and ten years uh we'll see if we actually get an entire uh, entire campaign done or if the campaign you know reaches its natural conclusion which to be honest i i don't want to fudge it i i think we should play it out as it goes and um and uh see where we go with it
1: yeah I mean I I was quite lucky with my campaign I think anytime we lost a large amount of people we managed to get quite a high population back um sorry we, we were fairly stable um but I so I've never had a campaign actually crash out on me yet but I've only played the one so far mm. um, but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see how you found um playing with a group as well because that's that's the only
0: way I've experienced it so far yeah
1: um, but I suppose that's uh, people will get a chance to look at that when the video comes out
0: indeed they'll i 'm not giving away anything <laughs> on that because obviously uh, we played through getting to La year five is the arrival of the butcher, so you know that um, series of videos ends on. Uh, quite the important you know end result uh well not end result uh, important fight you know kind of boss fight which is uh what those nemesis encounters are, uh, you know kind of represent in the game mm-hmm. um that will segue us into the main topic uh what have you been up to james i mean you're um currently between things and so forth but you've been doing any gaming
1: yeah yeah i've actually been uh I've returned to Dark Souls three because the DLC for that has come out um, a couple of days ago. Um, okay. It takes, Oh, I probably shouldn't go into too much spoiler territory, but it goes to a location that's a little bit different from what I've seen in the rest of the game. Um, I've seen some rather horrible monsters in there, some kind of gross stuff. Um, but I've also, because I've been replaying it recently, um, been enjoying the scenery this time around rather than looking at it from a mechanical standpoint. Uh, and it's, it's kind of revealed quite how I approached it the first time around. I go in looking as a games designer and I go like, if I was going to make this room a horrible death trap, people would drop from the ceiling here. And this would be like, a you know, this mimic here just after you've relaxed would probably be, a, or this treasure chest would be a mimic. And it turns out that if you basically expect the absolute worst, you are kind of ready for Dark Souls. Um, mm. So it's very interesting. Um,
0: yeah, uh, I'm trying to think what else uh, gaming-wise. So I've been playing a bit of uh, War Machine Hordes, trying to get some people in the local at uh, the local um, gaming club into it. Uh, I think my mm-hmm. mate Mark is going to pick up. we not go harvest on the starter set Uh or hordes because it just gets me more scorn. <laughs> So, and given that the game's gone really heavy, you know, back to back to its roots with war beasts and warjacks, you know, getting a whole load of more war beasts out of the core game is not a bad thing. Um, and I played Dead of Winter last night. Uh, so that's okay. a board game, and oh. that that is kind of zombie survival game. Uh, it's nothing like Zombicide. Uh, it it has um, secret objectives. It has opportunities to be a traitor in it, if that is your secret objective. So it's got multiple win conditions, and you're playing against the board while being also cooperatively trying to win the game, yet also potentially stabbing each other in the back. And that was kind of hilarious because so you've got your, you've got your, your colony, the 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 place where you've got your people hold up against the zombies, mm-hmm. and then you've got locations nearby which you loot to get stuff that you need like food or weapons or fuel and this is all taking place during winter of course uh and um got to the point where we worked out that without obviously having to do any dice we were in in the dodgy position that if if one person was unlucky and fighting a zombie they'd be dead and that would be the end of the game so we worked out how to get us all the way to the point where uh, it was my go and it was the last player turn of the game before the game is off. Mm-hmm. And we realized that we had to exile one of the other players. Uh, so there were three of us. We, two of us had to choose to exile one of the, the other player to have all his survivors chucked out of the colony so we have enough food to get through the win- get through that phase and thus not lose morale. And thus lose So morale goes down due to starvation It also goes down if you um, If you lose people And they die So it also meant then that the person Gets exiled gets to use their characters How they want to, their group of survivors And you accumulate more in the game And he sent them out to the locations where my survivors um, uh, Were located Mm -hmm. And he killed them which, by, by basically attracting zombies to them. And his win condition was to make sure that at the end of the game, because if, if you get exiled, you get a new win condition. Oh. As the, exiled, as the exiled players, you know, you get to have like a vengeance kind of win condition almost. Um, was to have five characters killed off. However, in doing that, he helped me would get to my secret objective, which was I only have one survivor left that I'm controlling. (laughs) So it was a weird, we we exiled one player, he moved towards his win condition, but it also moved me to my win condition. So we both won, and the other player who obviously had also reached the end counted as not winning because he didn't reach any of his win conditions. So other than the main objective. So it's a very, very fun game, um, and it has that resource kind of usage allocation type thing. Uh, it's kind of cool like that. Um, and I don't think of any other gaming um, hmm. did Ar- Did the Artemis Bridge Simulator. That
1: oh, yeah, I've done that as well. It's. Um, did you enjoy it?
0: Yeah, we had like three ships operating at once at one point, and so if wow. you... Spread out the um, the, uh, the, fun- the the command, you know, all the positions round. You can easily have it running. So, if you're essentially, it makes sense if you're uh, captain with science and communications, because obviously you're always going to be on the scanners declaring declaring war against someone. So, dishing out orders is not a nice thing for me to be doing, though. I, I my control freak element comes out. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, it's been a while since I played that, but we had it set up. A, we just did um, one spaceship, but we had a whole bunch of different consoles, um, and we had the captain. Uh, the captain just stood on the bridge and told everyone what to do. It was good fun.
0: I think there's some, there's some other nice ones out there. There's one which runs on Linux that has full 3D um, motion and graphics. So... Hmm. Um, it'd be interesting to do that. I don't know what version of Linux it runs on. It might be quite easy to do what with Windows Bash being a thing. Um, I'll have to investigate that. Um, Any other gaming? Any last bits of gaming, James?
1: Um, So unfortunately, my PC's mostly blown up recently. Oh, Um, shit. So my graphics card has has gone to pieces. But it means that I'm looking at my PlayStation um, for... for more gaming, so um, PlayStation Plus this month has put Resident Evil for free if you've got a subscription. Mm. So I'm probably going to download Resident Evil and have a play of, of that over Halloween.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Um, that's wicked. Yeah, Excellent. Heck, yeah, I might p-
1: be able to stream it.
0: PCs, um, that's the that's whole thing. Like, I don't know whether I want to be in a position to be buying. Do I want to buy a PlayStation Four next year, or do I buy technically more useful to me and get a good gaming PC, which I can also use for video editing because it will render stuff, and also on the side I can use for calculations for work.
1: Um, I I can
0: run run stuff using GPU. uh, I can run calculations using GPU. So I think I might go with the PC.
1: Yeah, I as much. As much as I love that my PlayStation is pretty solid and, you know, it plays plays the games when I want to play games and things, my PC has been so invaluable for everything. I can access... You can play lots of the cheaper games, the old stuff, you go on Steam or Humble Bundle, pick up a whole bunch of things, um, and you just get a lot more variety than you're going to get on consoles because uh, games developers don't have to go through the same kind of submission... Requirements as they do for consoles On the PC
0: I also think the one game that was originally Getting me towards the PS4 Which was going to be Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah I think I've heard rumours that the merge Are going to put it on PC
1: Okay, I don't think I don't think PC is in its original Release lineup. I think it's PlayStation uh, and
0: Xbox I don't think it was going to be on Xbox Even I think it was originally kind of exclusive, but obviously in this day and age, the difference between developing for for a, a console and developing for a PC is negligible. So, our segue... Uh, was was about ending that climactic uh, battle against the Butcher that I uh, did for Beast of War means that we're going to talk about the Butcher. Um, So, the Butcher is a Nemesis encounter, and Nemesis encounters are different in Kingdom Death to the regular hunts, to the other quarries, in that you do not hunt the Nemesis encounters. Uh, They come looking for you. So essentially when you uh on your lantern year um tracker, when it says there's a nemesis encounter, there'll be a marker for it. Uh that year go on of so you tick off your lantern year and then it you get that marker that's next to that lantern year. That means your next hunt has to be the nemesis encounter. So you don't go on a hunt. Uh there's no hunt tracker, no nothing. But you do get to therefore be um you you get to attack first in the round So you get to go first in a round Against the beasts Okay, uh, Is again A little bit tougher He's toughness 9 He's only movement 5 so that's okay But he has a few things Such as uh, So he's got a few cards He's got like 12 AI cards That's not too bad I guess And then he's got a few of these things. So first of all, he's got Berserker, which is he draws uh, plus one AI for every turn, uh, which is just uh, lethal. He's got Fast Target, which is at the beginning of each monster turn, you reshuffle the Butcher's hit location deck. Um, So that's when it says reshuffle the monster's hit location deck, that doesn't mean the ones which you've also already cycled through, which have been discarded. So I think essentially what fast target means is it kind of counteracts things like um, the cat eye circlet. No, not cat eye circlet. was Sorry. On the hit location deck. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you've also got um, dreaded trophies, which really um, only really becomes more of an issue. Uh, as um
1: um as you start cool. to lose survivors, it's it kind of leads to a snowballing effect. If you if you start losing people to the butcher, it just becomes yeah. much less likely that you're
0: going to survive. There's a good reason why none of that really influenced the final showdown we had against him uh, for the Beast of War one. Uh, and the other thing he has is infectious lunacy which is as you suffer brain damage as your as your survivors in that fight suffer brain damage uh, each time they they um, they gain a lunacy token and once you've acquired 3 of these you suffer the brain uh, you suffer the frenzy brain trauma which is is basically a roll of D te- a roll of d5 you get that much insanity uh, you get plus one strength token, uh, plus one speed, yeah. I think. But and you lose the ability also...
1: to uh, use survival actions and use yeah. uh, fighting arts as well.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing that the Butcher has is his instinct, which is menace, which obviously ties in with infectious lunacy, which is that if the Butcher has no way to target anyone and can't thus perform an action is the closest survivor and they suffer one brain damage per monster level so at higher levels of the butcher that's pretty vicious and obviously that will eventually the butcher then i think we can quite happily say is a monster which is going to lead to your survivors no longer having survival or being able to make use of survival uh, because they're going to go all frenzied Meaning, oh, yeah. I think, there's already a very early obvious tactic here, which is be precious with your survival. Yeah. So you'll have points to pay, play. You'll have survival point, or your survival actions, and you'll have your survival points. But you know, if you try and hang on to them too much, you're going to get to the point where they're of no use whatsoever because you're going to be driven to frenzy. So I think that's the first thing to say about him,
1: and especially with his uh with the with the frenzy and the berserker ability um he's going to be doing two AI cards every turn, so you don't you don't want to be weathering that very long. you want to go in and hit hard and as strong as you can straight away.
0: Yes, definitely. And there are some dirty things that can happen with the butcher, but we'll—I think—we'll reveal that once we get through the um, the AI cards which are in his deck. So, okay, James, do you want to take the first one that's in his deck? Um, I think we've got—I've got the list of them in alphabetical order here. Oh, uh, so there's backhand.
1: Backhand, right? So that's quite an interesting one because it's um it's an impact zone, which means that it's going to be hitting everyone. Everyone around him, apart from people in his blind spot. Um, and then what have we got? So yeah, uh, in a clockwise order, attack each survivor. Um, and if there's no one there, menace. So it's quite a uh, quite an accurate attack. Um, it's adding four to its accuracy. Um, it's quite strong. And it also has some nice knockback and things. So... Um, that, that's kind of a bit of a trap almost If everyone's running into combat To smash him up Yeah It's going to hit pretty much everything um,
0: the, the thing to say with um, Is you Immediately uh, you, When you start looking at um, The Butcher's uh, AI cards And even if you look at his it, basic action So his basic action is speed 2 So it's a move and attack uh, speed 2 plus. So, the damage, it does bleed. And that's something that we're going to see a lot of with the Butcherers. Do bleed. So going off going against the Butcher without, um, uh, without something to negate bleed, like uh, bandages, is bad. And also, uh, you'll immediately notice that compared to... Um compared to regular kind of the like the white lion, the antelope, all the quarries, the accuracy on nemesis encounters on their attacks is a lot lower. But it's their accuracy it's harder for them to hit. So all that evasion that you can get off your items and your equipment and so forth really starts to pay dividends against um against uh, a nemesis encounter. Um so yeah, backhand's pretty mean. Uh so the next card if we go on mm. uh in Alpha School would be Berserker. Um so the next one off that is Butcher's Raw. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um so that's a uh, that's a B uh, class AI card, isn't it? Yeah. Um so that, it's interesting, non-death survivors. Um and yeah, on a four plus, um it takes brain damage is not uh, brain damage per monster level is knocked down. Now that's that's pretty The the knockdown's probably the worst part of that. The the uh brain damage is gonna push you towards frenzying. Mm. But knockdown, especially against something like the uh like the Berserker, is quite unfortunate because then it's gonna hit on a free p a three plus if you're on the floor, isn't it? I think that's the. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it hits. I think it hits. If you're no, if you're against the beast and the beast is not down, I think it hits on a three plus. I think ah. if you're knocked down, you still get your evasion as normal. You're just knocked down. Oh, okay. So you, you've it doesn't, it doesn't change. it's only it's only monsters so if they're knocked down. You get that three plus to hit. Um, but you're knocked down, obviously, and that's if you're obviously frenzing and everyone else is frenzing, there's no way you can do encourage. So you can't do that survival action to get people up. Mm-hmm. So is pretty mean and is a good target to take out. Uh, if you're looking for particular AI cards to eliminate. Um, then the next one, which is a advanced one is devour lantern, which is uh, again, there's, He's looking for his closest threat generally, and the target due to this is doomed. So it's a so for uh, an advance action, it's pretty mean because it, uh, you obviously can't use survival against him. So if you're the target, you will to make a dash action to move out of range of him when he does his move and attack, and his move and attack again. Speed two, hitting on a four plus, that's not too bad. You can negate some of that due to obviously you know, having good evasion uh, and cover. But uh, if he hits you, the target loses their lantern and they gain minus three accuracy tokens and lose all survivors. Remaining survivor, they die outright. It's a really vicious AI card.
1: Yeah, any anything with the doomed generally spells spells trouble, um, but the the possibility of instant death, even if you yeah. survive the attack, well,
0: yeah, or, or just losing losing, the, lose, losing all the survival points that yeah. you have is 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 rough. Um, okay, uh, the next one he's got up then is um. James, what do
1: you make of this one? Uh, was that double hack, sorry?
0: Okay, yeah.
1: uh, double hack. So, yeah, closest target facing, uh, closest threat facing, closest threat. So yeah, he's gonna um, he's gonna go for easy targets in front of him first, um, but then he moves up and goes absolutely nuts with a speed four attack, um, and then bleed two. Yeah, all of that. That is. Oh, that's horrendous. Would you would you be taking bleed two on
0: each attack? No, it's only after, it's after he's done any damage. It's not after each attack.
1: There we go. Okay, so, I mean, two bleeding anyway, that's, that's over a third of the bleeding you need to get killed.
0: Yes. Um, you only need five bleed in total to die. Um, yeah. So, it, it, again, it's really important when going up against the Butcher to go in with bandages so if you haven't made any before you go up against him um, then good luck Um, okay we talked about dreaded trophies the next one is a mood card which is called embrace the pain so when it comes into play as always you draw another AI card and when he gets wounded you place a token on this card and once he's gained uh, two or more tokens you remove them and he performs a basic action so, again, this is a, which means that the Butcher is capable of of making, uh, it's in, a, in, a, in a turn, it could be dishing out like three, doing three basic, well, three actions. So, two AI card attacks and a basic action attack. And perhaps even another one, depending upon what the uh, hit location is that you were. Uh, that you hit that might have a reac- might have a reaction. So, as far as mood cars are concerned, it's a good one to rem- It's it's one you need to get rid of. Um, uh, there's not much you can really do other than use a whisker harp to deal with that.
1: Yeah, and I think I definitely think uh, this this guy. He's got a couple of moods, actually. He's got a fair fair amount that means a Whisker Harp is probably reasonable. Um, yes. Like, four different moods in the deck. And I think all of them... Uh, all of them are probably worth getting rid of.
0: I think the next mood card we'll talk about is even worse. So, James, do you want to run us through Forbidden Light?
1: Forbidden Light. Right. Um... So when it comes into play, draw an AI card, which is pretty awkward anyway. Um so you're gonna be it's pretty
0: doing pretty standard, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um so you're gonna get your mood and then you're gonna be doing an attack as well. Um but the uh, the mood itself gives you a small light radius, which is a square around the uh around the butcher himself, and when a survivor ends their act in the light radius, they gain a minus one strength token. So if you've been wading in and wailing on the monster, you're just going to start getting weaker. Um, yeah. And then... It's, at,
0: yeah. I was going to say, the, it's an example of why the best thing to get to the Butcher is light ranged weapons. It's a bit... these kind... In some respects, it's a bit like fighting. You still there, Jay?
1: Sorry, I lost you for a sec yeah? um, um,
0: there. I was saying it's fighting. a bit like uh, fighting the white lion because, um, you know, you want yeah. ranged and um, or reach. Um, and so, yeah, so it's got this light radius. And if you end your, end your act in there, you get a minus one strength token, which is also annoying. Mm. Um, and and what's the it builds it?
1: a um, each at the end of each one's turn, you put a token on it, and when it's got five tokens, discard the mood card and all the, mon- the minus one strength tokens gained from it.
0: Um, yeah, so it kind of it's like a you kind of need to to whale on the butcher as hard as possible if you if you begin to suffer from it.
1: Yeah. Because, unfortunately, while you might lose uh, while you might lose strength, it can also take you below zero strength, can't it? The tokens, so we could have a survivor who started with zero, going down to minus five strength. I think, which would um, make your chance to hit be absolutely horrendous.
0: You are basically going to have to hit on criticals.
1: Yeah, and I don't think um, I don't think he has many locations that even let you take advantage of that.
0: No, there aren't. There definitely are very few locations on him where you can do a critical hit, if any, I think. Um
1: Yeah. I think there's a um So one of his cards got errated on the uh, on the website. So if you go on to um, Kingdom Death, you can see that one of them's been updated. but that's a hit location, so we'll get to that later.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I've printed that off. We couldn't make use of it in the um in the uh beast of war thing because it was just, mm. I knew it was there, but it was just like, it was just, we just played it out of the box, we didn't do any of the 1.4. Um, it's just, it was just more effort than it's worth. I mean, we might, I might yeah. remind them to do that next time we uh record, anyway. Carry on, we've got Friends in Berserker. Well, there's nothing more to say about this one because this is a, a special card that you use for um the higher rank ones, which is basically you draw. Rather than doing draw one one extra AI card, you're drawing two extra AI cards per turn. So higher rank berserkers are um, are pretty insane to fight against. Um, yeah, yeah not much a I'm whirlwind. That. That's...
1: A whirlwind of cleavers and yeah. chop, choppy choppy death.
0: Yeah. Okay. So gaze of death. Um, what have we got going on here, James? Uh,
1: so I'm pretty sure this killed my first saviour. Um, they came on the hunt, and the uh, the Butcher picked closest threat that it's looking at, and it looms over them. Um, and if it's adjacent to the target, you roll a d10, and on a 3+, plus, it suffers brain damage equal to the monster's level. It's knocked down gains two understanding and a random disorder so you know understanding is good disorders can be positive but they also can be negative you know it's a bit of a uh, a bit of a gamble but the um, the brain damage if you have an unlucky roll that can can kill you
0: um, yeah i mean it's equal to the monster's level i think this is one of the things i, I said why, um and this will come out in the the videos that did with Beast of War is that it was quite interesting playing through the basic game again uh, because you know we're going in. I was going in with it, like I we were we were playing it essentially where where obviously Justin Warren had never played before, and so we're thinking what was cool and trying stuff out. Yet I was clearly giving we're playing it the optimized way where I know enough stuff that you can take advantage of and so one of the things I made clear before we went up against the butcher was that we had to go fight an antelope to get the um, to to, uh, to farm the insanity
1: yeah yeah I so think we uh...
0: that's always yeah go on
1: Sorry, yeah, we we went in with the um the antelope helm so that we could have one person just screaming everybody and saying every turn. Um,
0: oh yeah, 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 that's a good choice as well.
1: Yeah, uh, but yeah, okay, so useful uh, to have the uh, that kind of that brain armor in this fight.
0: Yeah, okay, Hack City. I've never ever had this done against me. Uh, I would rem- would have remembered it. So it's closest threat facing, closest threat if not menace. Move and attack target. Speed four again. Speed four. Hitting on fours. And after damage, for each hit, make an additional attack roll. Continue to roll until all attack rolls miss. Wow. Uh, So that's, you're hitting with four dice or Mm -hmm. more if you're playing a higher level. And essentially you're doing re-rolls until everything is missed. And that's the amount of attacks that have hit. Um, yeah. There's not much more to say about that. That's pretty insane. Um, however, if you survive all of this, you essentially, you trigger the legendary, you, you trigger the, the story event, which is Legendary Lungs, which unlocks, I think has a potential to unlock a f- secret fighting art?
1: Yeah. Um... So you have a chance to um, get, well, it reads, it's a nice little story event, Uh, you roll a d10 and you see what happens to your character. Um, Interestingly, some of the story events for mid-combat stuff, some of them are affected by innovations, so if you have drumming, for example, um, as you hear the the uh, beat of your heart echoing in your ears as you lose the ability to breathe, you re- kind of, you remember the drums and it gives you a uh, a boost and you can kind of go to a different result. Mm. So that's, that's one of the things I love with the story events, just the little changes. But yeah, if you're, if you're lucky, you can get legendary lungs, um, which I, Ooh, I think I got someone to have legendary lungs and then the butcher chopped his head right off. Um, Hmm. So, yeah, I don't remember it. Uh, Yeah, legendary lungs is pretty nice. It's a good good fighting art, that one. Um, Once per attack for each successful hit, make an additional attack roll. So it... It kind of echoes the butcher there, yeah. Um, and yeah, extra attacks—that's that's always good.
0: Okay, let's move on. Um, right, we'll ignore that one because the next one, a long card, so that's a special card which only turns up if you're playing level three. Um, fine uh lantern frenzy then which is another mood card so when it comes into play random survivor gains priority target token it cannot be removed for... okay so that's interesting so someone basically gets to be baked for the rest of the game uh you draw an ai card as always with these mood cards Lantern frenzies and play the butcher gains plus two movement and plus one speed tokens. At any time, the survivor of the priority target token may sacrifice themselves and lead the butcher far away. They perish and their gear their gear is archived, and you can end the showdown immediately and you skip the aftermath. So, um, and then you discard. Lantern Frenzy. If the survivor with the priority target token is killed, so this mood card um, comes into play. It gives you the option to shortcut your way out of the fight, uh, which is which is interesting, but obviously that comes at a high cost. That um, you could lose some decent gear unless you um, unless you palm them off onto someone. So it swings roundabouts with that one. Um, and the fact you don't get to do the aftermath is annoying because, obviously, you've technically not defeated the Butcher, so you're not going to gain any uh, gear or anything from him. But at the same time, you're not going to have failed against him, have him uh, do what he does um, when you fail uh, the showdown against him. So it's not that bad. It's not that great. It's, it's at least a way... Of getting out of a fight if things go really really bad
1: yeah um, like that's that's something that I could see being quite useful when you're uh, when you're maybe midway through a campaign and you have a decent amount of resources at your base because his uh, his reaction when he gets defeated means that you lose um, you lose all of your resources
0: hmm.
1: so yeah i'd I would quite probably happily throw a Survivor under the bus for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. So the next AI card then is Lantern Hunger. Um, oh, dear. What have we got here, James?
1: Well, so uh, another one where the target's doomed. Um, it's quite an awkward one because... It targets the furthest survivor, Um, so it's going to change the way that you're kind of trying to manage him around the battlefield, Uh, and the Butcher disappears in a flash of light and then reappears next to that survivor who's furthest away. Um, And then he goes nuts um, and does four attacks, which is going to be pretty nasty, and he also uh, gives priority target to that survivor. As an after effect, so yeah, you're gonna have to kind of look after them, possibly just run them screaming past everyone else who's uh who's originally surrounding the butcher.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the thing it's like so it's placed in an unoccupied space adjacent to the target. So the only way to get around this is if you've basically got a survivor. Corner away from him, and then you've got two more survivors um, occupying the adjacent squares. <laughs> uh, in which case, if that that happens, the butcher then isn't going to do this. But you, then it says discard this card if it's not possible. So you just discard. So it's the only way to counter it. Um, basically, it's rarely going to be like that. So I would not play. Assume uh, that you can do that. So the next uh, mood card is scream- that you, an AI card is screaming, uh, which is when it comes into play. All non-deaf survivors suffer one brain damage per monster level. So again, more of the theme of the butcher does lots of attacks uh, or lots of doing lots of brain damage, using bleed as a part of his attacks. And then at the start of the butcher's turn, all non-deaf survivors suffer one brain damage per monster level. And then you discard screaming if a survivor dies. Um, Yeah, having that go on and on and on and consistently causing brain damage to your characters is quite bad. Uh, First of all, it's going to push you towards Frenzy. And secondly, he's going to keep doing it until someone dies. So again, it's another free attack, essentially, that he gets to do um yeah
1: yeah interestingly though with the uh, with the frenzy at an early point in the campaign it probably actually pushes you more you probably get more of an advantage about out being uh, with being frenzied because you'll spend what little survival you have quickly and then suddenly you're stronger and faster
0: yes actually that is a very good point i think in the first Butcher encounter, you're actually aiming to get to go to towards frenzy as quickly as possible.
1: Because mm. we found our um, we found our first butcher actually to be quite easy when we fought him, and then mm. the level two butcher proved to be a heck of a lot harder because we were relying on all of our fancy tricks and nifty uh, nifty manoeuvres by that point.
0: Uh, okay. Now, there's a few other AI cards he's got left. Um, we'll go through. He's got Bite, which is uh, again, closest threat type thing. Speed 2, hits on a 4+. And the fun thing with this is that after he's hit, target suffers one random severe head injury. Uh, bite is horrific mm. uh, in that case. Uh, it could easily quite kill uh, a survivor outright. Uh, he also has hack, and some of these also some of these cards there's duplicates of. So he's got like two two of each of these last few, I think, um, if I'm right. Uh, he, so he's got he's got hue, which is um, said hack, which is hitting on three plus. That is one is one of the few attacks where it's low speed but high damage going to be doing some bleed and some knocking down of survivors. He's got kick. Now, this is the this is the fucking bastard scenario that can happen and is what I have faced recently is kick. So let's go through this one. So again, it's closest threat facing closest threat or it does menace. He moves in to attack. It's speed two, hitting all fours, damage one off each attack. And then after he's done damage, the target suffers a knockback of five and gains a priority target token. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's not too bad until then you realize what the next thing is, which is after he's done a kick, he then gets to draw another AI card and play that out. So this is... Kick, kick can lead him to drawing three AI cards in a round. Or more. And this is where Mm -hmm. I get to uh, where I say or more, because it can be that you draw kick, and your next card after he's completed kick is another Another kick. kick. So that means he's doing four uh, actions uh, attacks in a in a round, and obviously at higher levels with um, his frenzied berserker, that's now like there'll be five (laughs) actions. But what gets really problematic is if you've whittled down his AI deck and the only cards that you have left are Kick and Kick for the following reason. Because you draw each AI card, uh, you draw it, and then you resolve it before you draw the next one. So at which point when you've completed an AI card, it goes back to the discard pile. And if they're the only cards left in the deck, then it means it's automatically shuffled. So it's then the only card left in your deck as you were, once you draw your next AI card, so you could be in a position where you can get infinite kicks being done.
1: Yeah, there's um, I mean that is that is the horrendous uh, a horrendous loop. And I think when it was pointed out to um, to Poots, he said, "Yep, that's that's kind of fine." Sometimes he gets absolutely mad and starts just kicking people to death. Um, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's quite vicious as well with the amount of moods that the Butcher has. You could theoretically have uh, four mood cards, and most of the moods, other than Screaming, you draw another AI anyway. So, you know, you might have what you think is half of the deck left, and then it all just suddenly spams itself onto the battlefield,
0: Yes, it could easily do that. I think the butcher could quite happily empty his deck and be left with two kicks and start, you know, dealing some serious pain. Because the moment I spotted in our know, get, this is, you know, spoiler alert of, of fighting the butcher, I spotted this coming up and I was like, wait a minute, you know, wait a minute, Mikey. And it's like, you know, we, we're going to deal with this because otherwise we're going to get, we're going to get, fucked over by the butcher um and so his last ai card is wild carve uh, do you want yeah. to go through this one james
1: yeah so wild carve you know it it doesn't seem too bad to begin with it's closest uh, closest threat um speed two accuracy four and then after damage the target gets a bleeding token and that's you know that that's not as bad as some of the other attacks he's doing, but it's followed up by another effect, which is all survivors adjacent to the monster suffer one damage to a random hit location and gain a bleeding token. And that that's not even rolling for you know rolling for hits or anything. You're just boom damage, uh, damage and bleeding. So with the amount of bleeding he throws around, that's that's pretty nasty.
0: Yeah. Um to deal out that amount of bleed and and damage to random locations is uh intense. Mm-hmm. Um so then uh, so that that's basically the Butcher's AI deck. Um it's not fun, it's not pretty. It's uh it will it will um take you out uh and uh do some serious ass whooping. Um i don't know which of those cards if there was a, a really a way of whittling down the a i deck in the right way um I think plenty of those mood cards are always targets to get taken out of the deck if possible uh at the same time though if they're in play that's one less that's one less wound you have to do to the butcher to kill him, so you've got to weigh up that in that sense um I would say the kicks are the things to look out for. And getting those out of the deck because you just don't want to be left in the scenario where those are the last two cards left.
1: Yeah, if you if you can remove a kick, that's probably a good plan. Um, if you get the opportunity to. Okay.
0: So um, hit locations. So as we said, James, um, yeah. I don't think any of his hit locations have. Uh, have a critical location on it, except for the updated version of Furious Scrag. Yeah, um, a lot of his locations are also, um, I think, quite a few of his locations are either impervious or super dense, which also means you know you're not going to um, you're not going to be able to wound him, or in the early game he's going to smash up your weapons because you're going to go in with bone weapons more than likely, because that's all you've got. Um, so, let's see. So we've got the Armoured Pig Shoulder, which is super dense. Yeah. We've got the Butcher's Mask, uh, which is a really, if you hit it, that's one to, you know, really, if you hit it, makes life a lot easier.
1: Oh, yeah. Um... um. So there's both of his cleavers, which are the impervious cards that he's got, um, yes. and the cleavers. Um, the cleavers aren't so bad because you uh, you do gain plus one insanity for hitting them, yeah. which is gonna army you against a bit of his brain damage.
0: Uh, he has obviously reflexes, like um, and again because because he, he's got no criticals, it means he's always going to get some sort of reaction if you, if his reaction is a reflex. Uh, So like this one with the furious bellow, which is where uh, unless the attacker is deaf and has courage of three plus, they again take more brain damage and are not down, which could mean if you resolve the, the, you know, again, you've got to resolve these in the right order because you don't want to do that one first because it's going to lead to your other hits being canceled uh mm-hmm. some of them obviously uh like furious breastplate is actually harder to wound um furious crown uh what does that do all it basically knocks everyone down huh, as a as a reflex that's next him furious gauntlet uh means again more intimidation and uh, brain damage being dealt uh which is awful mm-hmm. so again even his hit location deck is about brain damage to you, um, but there's also chances like you know Furious Gut. If you if you uh, wound him, you uh, he's knocked down, which is good, and you get plus one courage. Um, Furious Scrag is a chance of having something really awesome. Um, so, so long as you,
1: so long as that is the location at which you killed the butcher. Yes which is um, interesting if you can stack your hit decks uh, the hit location deck
0: yes uh Fioris Shoulder does again a lot more of knock down and knock back um and really thing we've, I think the thing to talk about is this trap
1: yeah so that's a uh that's that's quite a vicious one. So um, it targets everything adjacent to him, or it affects everything adjacent to him. Um, the attacker themselves is doomed, so you're not able to dodge out of it or escape. Um, all survivors in the zone gain one bleeding token and suffer five knockback, which would be, like, that would be enough for a trap anyway, if it wasn't that he's also going to perform a basic action towards the attacker. So he's going to split everybody up if they're surrounding him, and then he's going to close in on the attacker and probably do even more bleeding at that point.
0: More than likely. Um, Again, the last hit location you've got here is the Thick cape, which if you hit that, again, there's a chance that you're going to suffer brain damage. So a lot of his hit location debt is going to push you towards frenzy and there's not much you can do about that so overall the butcher is is quite quite the fight um i uh, it's it's it'll be but there are ways and means around it uh there certainly are things you can use i think like ranged range attacks or uh, reach attacks help a lot or um, and given the way that his hit location deck shuffles, sometimes just being able to deal lots of hits at once helps. Um, but assuming you beat the butcher, hmm. what benefits do we get from beating the butcher, James?
1: So the benefits um, they can be pretty nice. Uh, you roll one, you roll a d10, and you add your you add the level of the butcher that you fought to the result. Um, he can either disappear and leave you nothing. Uh, you can get some lantern resources, or you can even get um, gear from the butcher themselves. Uh, and heck, one of the things you can do is you can get something that helps you regrow a limb that's been severed. Um, but the the gear is is really nice. Uh, there's the butcher's cleaver, or two butcher's cleavers, in fact. They're paired weapons, with uh, five strength, and uh, oh goodness, speed, strength, and to hit, yeah. Um, so they're really accurate, really strong, but you've got to be insane to use them. Um,
0: yeah, and you have to. You, you, you're you're going to have to fight the butcher twice, and hopefully roll that result to get it because you only get one butcher's cleaver on. Um, on one of those fights, on a yeah. single fight, So you are not going to get a pair, but yeah, it's it's pretty it's a pretty decent bit of rare gear.
1: Yeah, and especially especially early game because it's a it's not a uh, it's not a fragile weapon, and it's it's just a really strong axe. And having two of them, goodness, four attacks at plus five strength and plus five accuracy is nice. Um, but you can also get the Forsaken Mask if you roll. If you roll, uh, oh goodness, bizarrely well. Yeah, you need to get 13 on a D ten.
0: Yeah, you need to You basically you need to have fought a level three uh, butcher for this mm-hmm. to even be an option. Because um, the forsaken mask is not just a bit of gear; it's actually quite useful for assessment location.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, you can, you can archive it, which is return it back to the box um, and build the Mask Maker, which lets you fight some of the really, really challenging special uh, legendary monsters. Mm. Um, but it's, its use effect, or its equip effect, is really nice as well. Two head armor, which is not to be sniffed at, um, but at the start of your act, if you're insane, gain plus one action. Hmm. Okay. So uh, that is actually quite nice because it mimics his um, uh, it mimics his berserker um trait where he gets to do two actions. You're wearing yeah, his sense. mask and you're doing two actions yourself. Um. And I like I know we've been t- discussing mechanics and stuff, but I do really love the kind of flavour that you get out of this because. He kind of... it It's a monster with kind of a lot of furious, kind of unpredictable attacks um, in really close range. So it's just this whirling dervish of, like, moodiness. It's, it's kind of driven by its emotions. So it's like a berserker almost. Uh, and sometimes when it gets really moody and really wrapped up in its emotions, it's kind of weaker um, and leaves itself a little bit vulnerable, um, even though mm. it becomes much stronger. And that just like, that feels really nice and satisfying from a a kind of meta-story point of view when you're actually... Yeah, if you're looking at it as a, as a narrative encounter.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, have you ever fought the level three butcher then, James?
1: No. Um,
0: no, never have I. I've only ever done levels one and two. um And yeah level one is I think level one can be can be easy or hard depending upon how you how lucky you are with your assessment development uh, to begin with level two I think you can um it might be a case of just sending sending people to the sacrifice kind of situation Um... But it's a fun fight, and also because it's a nemesis nemesis encounter, the the amount of resources you're getting from it is not massive. There's no hunt. So again, it's kind of one of those checks and balances kind of points where it stops, because by Lantern Year 5, you're going to have quite a lot of survivors in your camp. You should have quite a lot of survivors in your camp, and this is a way of, you know, whittling down the numbers again uh, for you. Um...
1: Yeah, we found we found that the Nemesis encounters seemed almost perfectly timed so that just as we were getting up to the point where we were developing society, which is that, that crucial 15 population, a Nemesis would turn up and eat
0: four people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that can happen. Um,
1: yeah. But it's possible it's so... as well because it means that at this point, if you haven't established death principles you're probably going to be you're probably going to encounter that Um, and after the nemesis encounter if you have lost anyone you're probably going to be pushed more towards like oh it's probably it's probably a good idea that we we try and bring some more survivors into the world um so you're hopefully going to establish a life principle if you've kind of avoided it for this this long
0: i have to say fighting the butcher often leads to um has led to uh sets of rawhide armor being completed if because the principle of death that the camp follows is cannibalism um so uh yeah that's happened um so in some respects you know fighting the butcher is kind of lean on resources but that's just uh uh you know waste not want not kind of situation that if you already your camp is already uh taken cannibalism as its death principle actually you you're still able to develop uh, and make things quite happily um which really I think talking about that uh, principle leads us on to um talking about some of the main story events in the early game uh and We're going to talk about a few of those um, right now after this short little break. So as I said before the break, we were going to look at story events and some of the first ones. And the first thing that happens when you're starting survivors finish the fight against the initial starter, White Lion. uh, There's a settlement story event that they go through, which is the first day, which leads you through which events to go through. It tells you how many extra survivors you get. There's a role for that. Uh, But the first story event you have is the returning survivors. Uh, And this essentially just shows you how to build your initial camp. So You nominate an initial survivor. uh, You nominate a survivor that you have, and they gain plus one courage. And uh, they're basically the first one to talk in whatever language they determine they will speak. And this means you can add the white lion to your quarry uh, list on the sheet, and your settlement gains the language innovation, which is really the, the most basic innovation that you've got because it unlocks the the entire innovation tree essentially and you can then begin to innovate so you know after your first initial hunt uh, your first initial fight against the white line you'll ha- you should have something between really between one to four endeavors that you'll make use of uh and those endeavors are used you know to for particular uh, spent on particular things and um those will be spent on building uh locations or innovating uh so after you've got the first language uh, you build the innovation deck which contains at this point a, a cer- certain number of cards so, certain cards which are placed in there and that's the deck which you'll randomly draw from when you do innovations but as you draw and put into play an innovation as you innovate um it will unlock new innovations which go into that same deck so that deck is constantly updated as you innovate um, and the other thing you do when you return survivors is, is that you put down the first uh, location, which is the Lantern Horde, which is essentially a place where uh, uh, where all the lanterns are gathered, all these huge collection of them, and is what is repelling the monsters from the, the camp. And at the Lantern Horde, obviously you can spend endeavors to uh, create new uh, lantern location, uh, new locations in the in the settlement, which are was it the Skinnery, Organ Grinder, and Bone Crafter. So it's the, your basic armor, your basic equipment, and your basic weapons. And someone can sit in front of the Lantern Horde and a game plus one understanding, uh, but they have to miss the, the hunt phase. So the, the first story event really is just about getting you through how the game works for the settlement events. Um, so James, what's the next major story event after that one?
1: So the major story well first major event after that uh is really the introduction of the antelope um ah, yeah. which is the very next year um so it's quite interesting because every time a new monster is going to be added to your quarry list you actually get an event which introduces them um so they they become available in the environment and something kind of heralds it uh, the antelope is heralded by endless screams in the darkness, um, which is quite apt. Um, uh, did we talk about this when we talked about the antelope? or
0: uh, I can't quite remember, no. Um,
1: but yeah, uh, you again nominate a... Uh, so yeah, you add, your, um, you add the screaming antelope to your quarry list, uh, and then you nominate a survivor to go through the story event. And that one's was that one's quite simple it's another um it's another d10 table with a bunch of different outcomes on it um but they the early events can be really beneficial um you can gain a fighting art from it um
0: uh, yes you could get the orator of death um fighting art um and it's really an opportunity that the survivor both if, a lot of these story events you'll see push certain, you can get certain survivors to be kind of uh, advanced quicker down certain things, like understanding and courage, so that also helps towards how your camp develops yeah Um, but I mean that's as you said, every monster has an introductory story event that you read through Um, I think the ones for the basic hunts in this in the core game are quite short, but if you look at some of the introductory stories for like you know, the Dragon King or uh, the Flower Knight; those stories are like across multiple pages with lots of artwork, and they're quite um, uh, quite fun. Yeah. Uh, so, Endless Screams is, is is nothing nothing too crazy there. Uh, what's the next one that comes after that?
1: Well, you have the Nemesis Encounter with the Butcher, um, but after that Lantern Year, you have Hands of Heat, um, which is. Uh, well, hands of heat is quite a beneficial one. If well, I think if you're lucky, um, I think there's downsides as well if you roll particularly badly. Um, uh, yes. But one of the uh, one of the big benefits of the hands of heat event is that you automatically innovate the lantern oven.
0: Yes, and if you've been doing innovations almost every lantern year through the game. This will be the fifth innovation that you will make, which also triggers another story event, which is actually in the recordings for Beast of what we totally forgot. So when I go back there, we still have one story event to do before we go into the next lantern year, but it's a good one it's actually kind of a cool one to have held back hmm. um, so this is this is going to be spoiler events when we spoil when we talk about it. so yeah, lantern oven's cool again, another survivor uh nominated survivor they get plus one courage and they get to experiment with lanterns um so james what do you make of this
1: so it's interesting in that you've got a um you've got from a mechanical point of view you know you've got your d10 uh you've got a d10 chart but if you do well enough you actually go on to a different event um, which has its own breakdown of rewards, which is kind of interesting. It's one of the ways that I think it does lend replayability to it, because I've had this event a couple of times and it's always been very different how it's worked out. Um, but it can go as badly as uh, losing somebody entirely um, and gaining a story event that pops up on the timeline in a couple of years. Yeah. Um or you know, even even with a very low roll, you can get to the point where you earn a, uh, a secret fighting art.
0: Yes. Um, so if you roll kind of middle of the table, you'll get plus one permanent strength for the survivor, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And you get the lantern of innovation, of course, and you also get the red fist secret fighting art. And I which think... is awesome.
1: Yeah, I remember that one being oh yeah, that is so useful that one. Saved our butts a number of times. Um each survivor well at the start of each showdown, each survivor gains a plus one strength token and you can spend plus one strength tokens in place of survival.
0: I think there are that's where it gets interesting if you've got things that can help generate plus one strength tokens somehow. Mm. I don't know what would I can't think off the top of my head what would do that, but I think Well,
1: frenzied you know, for a start.
0: Oh uh, yeah, frenzying but you can't use survival if you're frenzied.
1: Um, you
0: unless can't. someone cures you of being frenzied, that's the thing. I don't know if someone could like cure you of your um of your head injury part way through um part way through a showdown. Um mm. Yes, that's interesting. Uh, the lantern branding is kind of cool. So, what have we got here? Um, what's it say? Uh, so, it's a ritual branding. Basically, they're walking on you know heated broken lanterns, uh, and either they can, if you roll low, you just get lots of survival added to all departing survivors, and you get the hands of heat event again in. At a random point down the timeline, or your survivor gets permanent extra speed, or permanent extra strength, or something really bad happens that they get blinded, but they get um, plus one luck. Again, plus one luck is not bad. Uh, plus one luck is really useful. So <laughs> it's it's a cool little story event, and I think is again it's kind of like as I said, if you've done all your innovations, eat almost each year. This should be the one which is your fifth one which unlocks another story event. Which is maybe worth talking about in a moment. Well, maybe it's the next one we talk about. Or maybe we should talk about the Bone Witch. Uh, let's talk about the Bone Witch. Because she has... I, I read on, on forums and stuff there's kind of a mixed reaction to this story event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's so she's like this, you know, the Bone Witch is, as it says, is a, is a woman, you know, covered in tattoos and has bones. I think there's literally a model for her um, somewhere uh, in, they've done it at some point, or they might do. Anyway, all returning survivors gain plus three, uh, gain plus three insanity, so that's not bad. Uh, insane returning survivors are drawn to the Bone Witch and they have to spend endeavors at, at the Witch Camp. Uh, and during the settlement phase, any survivor may endeavor at the witch camp if they choose. I think the bone witch you can also uh trigger if you exile someone due to the murder settlement event um, and so what do we get with the bone witch either uh, someone gets permanently scarred uh, and loses some loses get loses strength and accuracy and you have and the bone witch uh is an event again three years down the line or uh, the person loses their eyes and gains minus four accuracy but plus four permanent strength uh, which is nuts um, Yeah. or you can get the extra sense fighting art and some bone resources or uh, what's the sort other of thing she does Uh, whispers horrors to you and you gain insanity and understanding and the following ability called homing instinct which means you get a bonus on your runaway story event which you only do if you've got the option to do it because you've innovated guidepost or something else like that um oh no you can run away anyway so if you've but there's some options if you've got guidepost and uh and so forth so the bone which is kind of pluses and minuses all, all over the place, I think, with her. Um, mm. But the idea of getting plus four permanent strength is kind of fun, but at the cost of accuracy, I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, and then the next major story event to really talk to, to mention is the Hooded Knight, who turns up if you get... Because if you get your five innovations, which the Lantern Oven will do, I think that's the principle of uh, which one is that? Is it a principle? No, it's not a principle, but it unlocks this event, which is the Hooded Knight. Yeah. So, do you want to run us through what the Hooded Knight is, then, James?
1: Um, so, we actually completely missed the Hooded Knight for most of our campaign, um, which is unfortunately one of the things. Sometimes you just miss where one of the interactions goes, and okay. uh, we slipped that. But I. Um, Where are we? One hundred twenty-one. So we did have it occur later, as soon as we realised we'd missed it. Um, Here we are. So yeah, a a stranger emerges from the darkness. Um, If so, if uh, yeah, so when he first appears, um, you they're an inscrutable stranger. You have no idea what they 're here for, you roll on a table and uh find out what his reaction is to begin with. Um, it can go badly um, we we had we had it go very badly our first time um, and we lost two population uh, and had him come back later but uh, you can even learn some fighting arts from him um, or you can receive a uh, a strange parcel which kind of brings the rest of the event into being because for not something that kind of comes round and again and again
0: doesn't it it is because um the parcel contains within it a i think one of the most important bits of gear in the entire game uh which is the twilight sword so it's only it's only relevant if you're playing the, the core campaign uh Or at least you're playing the core game and you're going up against the standard, playing through the standard campaign. And that's the Twilight Sword, which is a cursed weapon, which means um, you can't remove it from your gear grid. I think it's uh, sentient, so you you can only use it if you're insane. And the Twilight Sword is important because it's important for fighting the end boss. And of course, to do that, it means... It's a weapon which, it's a weapon that's really, really crap to begin with because it's really hard to hit with. But it gets progressively easier the more times uh, you progress in your expertise, the specialization with it, which leads us to, as you say, James, the um, the other bit of the Hooded Knight um, event, which is the duel, um, which essentially is a way of of um, of uh, sp- speeding up that progression. Of that character's ability uh, with the um, with the Twilight Sword, of course it could go terribly wrong again, and uh, your your Twilight Knight in training could die, or they can take a lot of injuries, or they can they can just progress as normal. So um, it's a pretty it's it's a pretty, it's one of the most important story events I think that turns up on a regular basis within the game.
1: Yeah, and the, uh, well, yeah, if you um, if you have the Twilight Sword, it's a huge asset later on. Um, it's interesting, though, because it's a cursed item, it means that you have this powerful survivor with this strong weapon, but if you lose them, you lose the weapon. Mm. Um, and, you know, you have to kind of start again. So there's this, there becomes this real risk warp. Reward and uh, I mean to begin with, you don't know that it's useful against the end boss. It's more that it's just a strong kind of asset to your fighting force.
0: Um, Right, Uh, okay. So let's finish off with a few other interesting um, story events like that. All pop up quite a few times. A, uh, they're not. Some of these are not so critical. There isn't much more to say about them other than, you know, you'll come across them multiple times. Age, which is obviously depends upon which age milestone a character reaches. So, again, it's how much XP you've accumulated, and it's a chance for your characters to increase in their uh, abilities and also gain fighting arts. And also, they can, they can if they reach the first one, they can then finally begin to get proficiencies in weapons. Um, if you increase your um, your courage and you hit milestone um, that means you are you can roll on one of the three tables of people when you hit that milestone because that's the bold story event and again that's a chance for increasing abilities and also uh, increasing character profile so you' know, increasing strength or or, um, or uh, survival or so forth like that. Um, and you also got these three abilities, which is one, which is if you're in the showdown phase, you hit your your um your courage your courage milestone, is you ignore the knock da- uh, being knocked down by brain trauma or intimidation, which is pretty good. If you get it in the hunt phase, it means you when rolling to determine a straggler, you get to add your hunt experience to the roll, and if you if you reach this milestone um in the settlement phase uh, you gain the matchmaker um ability which is that you can spend an endeavor once per year and trigger an intimacy role which is really useful um to just trigger it that easily um the equivalent of course is if you increase your um, your understanding and that unlocks the insight uh, story event so again uh, there's increases in stat lines that occur there and if you hit your insight milestone during the showdown um, it means at the start of the survivor's turn if you are adjacent to the monster you can reveal the top AI card and put it back on top of the deck so essentially you can work out whether you need to even bother using a rawhide headband or not um, if you hit it in the hunt phase, you get to roll plus two on the investigate tables, which is really, really good, because some of those tables have a lot of good stuff that you can win. One,
1: and, one thing that struck me with investigate is um, a lot of the tables aren't referred to by any kind of title. So we kind of struggled finding quite what was an investigate table. Is that just anything on on the... Uh,
0: no, I will say whether they're investigate or not. okay. And then if you hit, hit it in the, the milestone in the settlement phase, uh, essentially, if that survivor is a returning survivor, you get an extra endeavor. So again, you'll innovate quicker. So those are all pretty much standard. I think the only thing... If we ever looked at um, the intimacy story event, I guess we've not.
1: Hmm.
0: So this is if you've... When this occurs, is, um, if you trigger an intimacy event, that's uh, a chance to obviously have a new survivor born to your settlement. The terminology in here is quite important because it's like, it's nominate one consenting male and one consenting female survivor. So you have to, name, you have to choose which two are going into it before you do any rolls. And then you roll on the table. And obviously, if this is the first time you're rolling on it, you trigger a principle of new life. And if you roll it on a one, the couple can't bear the weight of the world and they walk off into the darkness together and they both die, which is, um, a terrible result. Uh, if you get a two or a three, um, unfortunately the female survivor dies during childbirth. Uh, but you get a, and she dies with her child. Um, And the male survivor mourns her death and gets a random disorder and insanity. Uh, Four, five, six is okay, you know, you get a brand new survivor, the child is born, and uh, they do not have ink that stain their founders' faces, which is an important distinction between these new survivors being born and uh, the original survivors that you play in the original intro uh, hunt. Seven to eight is, again, plus one male and female survivors get extra survival as a result. They get extra survival points. Obviously, if you don't have a high enough survival limit, you'll max out. (laughs) Uh, The fun thing there is if you've innovated the bed, um, it means the newborn survivor gets plus one permanent strength. Um, So that's always good. So you can see with that and some of the other innovations and principles of the game that you'll start having survivors born, like with plus two or even plus three strength um, which is clearly something you need in the later game when you're fighting tougher monsters Definitely. and the last one is uh, you get a pair of newborns and if you roll a ten um, and you've got hovel uh, you get birth of a saviour which is a really good story event and I think it's the last one we'll look at so James you want to just run us through what saviours are
1: Ah, so saviors. Well, saviors are saviors are strange. Um, they're they're kind of your superheroes or your superhumans in in the setting. Uh, the the newborn vanishes from the loving arms of the settlement for a fraction of a second. In that second, they spend a lifetime in the domain of the ethereal dreamer, and they return with a dream. And at that point, you get to choose one of the three uh, three dreams, which defines what its ability is going to be. Um, or its bonus ability is going to be. Uh, there's the Red Dream, which is the Dream of the Beast, and you gain one permanent red affinity, so you don't actually have to have any gear socketed to be able to claim that red affinity for, um, for any particular affinities on what gear you do have.
0: Uh, um, unless, it's a, unless it's a jigsaw. Yes, um, unless it's a
1: jigsaw one, one. Um, which means it has to be a red affinity on that piece. Yeah. Um, You gain uh, the two following abilities, which is for each red affinity you have, you have uh, one of your attack rolls automatically hits each attack.
0: Which is awesome because if you're at some point, you know, early in the early half of the game, you're more than likely going to make lion armor and catars. And that armor set has a lot of red affinities on it. So all of that hideous amounts of attacks that you'll get with your paired weapons are all going to auto-hit, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you're just going to be ripping through things, especially using that on early lions or something. You're just going to absolutely tear through it. Um, But there is kind of a... The next ability is kind of a price to using saviors, but it also does make them stronger. In the aftermath, um, gain three additional hunt XP, which means you're going to be aging like nobody's business.
0: That means at the end of a hunt, if they survive, a survivor is technically gaining in total four hunt XP, one for the hunt and three due to this. Okay.
1: So you also can't place other... Type gear in your gear grid, so there is a particular type of gear called other. Um, so you can't give them the Twilight Sword, for example. Uh, uh,
0: is the Twilight Sword actually other? Is it?
1: I think it's other.
0: I'm going to find some examples. Uh, let me, if you keep going through yeah. the types of things, I'll try and find some examples of gear that um, they can't have.
1: Okay, um, it's got. It's still got a couple of bonuses on the red life on the red. Uh, life exchange which is you gain plus one permanent strength which with each age milestone so that's in addition to you rolling the age story event so this survivor is going to be absolutely just smashing uh smashing the wounds towards the end um but when you retire you cease to exist um yes either you're drawn back to the dream or you age out of existence um it's it's kind of horrific. Um, then, uh, we've got the green survivor, which is, uh, you gain one permanent green affinity automatically. Um, you have, uh, Dormenatus, uh, Dormenatus, when you depart, gain one armor to every hit location for each green affinity you have. Um, so green affinity you get a lot of evasion with green affinity. It's a lot of utility sets, usually, um, which means that that could actually be quite nice that you have this really kind of tanky uh, character who can dodge a lot as well. Um, But you also, uh, in the aftermath, you gain the three additional hunt XP, just like the red survivor. Um, It can't equip other gear. You gain plus one permanent evasion with each age milestone. So you're going to be even better at avoiding being hit, um, which actually probably is very helpful for nemesis encounters, I'd say. Mm. Um, because, yeah, you just, if you have anyone who can take, take being targeted but not actually get hit, that's really nice. Um, and then you have the, uh, the Blue Dream, which is the Dream of the Lantern um for every blue affinity you have your ranged weapons gain this amount of range and your melee weapons
0: gain this amount of reach um, yeah that's that is nuts
1: <laughs> yeah we we had a blue survivor with katars and uh was it katars uh, i just remember them blasting a creature from across the battlefield with a hideous amount of attacks um which turns out to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, But in the aftermath, you get uh, plus one permanent luck with each age milestone. And that is really good if you're going to be hitting something that you can critically attack because you're increasing, basically, the the window at which you get to auto-wound and also cancel a lot of the reactions on a lot of cards.
0: Yeah. Yeah, blue savers are pretty pretty, um, awesome like that.
1: I think there has been word though that um uh, Adam wants to nerf Savior's a bit. Okay. In a rules update. I haven't seen what that update is yet, um but I imagine it'll probably come out with uh maybe the if there's any like rules updates or errata's that come out with a Kickstarter, I imagine that'll be where we hear about them.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I had a quick check of gear types. I can't see anything that counts as other. Um, I've never seen that that type. Um...
1: Um, hmm. Um, I know there there was some. Um, it's up at the top. So the butcher's cleaver, for example, and the forsaker's mask that we talked about earlier are other.
0: Oh, are they actually other? Hold on, let me go back to. It's
1: in the. Rare gear. It's in the small italic text up at the
0: top. Oh, is it small italic? Oh, I see, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. uh, All the the
0: rare gear is other, yeah. Um, Like the the Thunderball is other. hmm. Twilight Sword is other. And. The Muramazer is. Okay, fine.
1: Yeah. um so it's it's mostly gear that you get from uh special hunt events and things or uh yeah but it would
0: it, it would make it would it would make saviors utterly insane if they had access to some of those weapons yeah uh and it also doesn't make sense for them to have access to some of those weapons like the twilight sword or or so forth um okay, fine well, we've been through a lot then um which covers all the the early story events. Um, and I mean, if I was to choose a savior to take, if you get access to one in the early game, um, which is obviously odds are good. If you it, odds are good that that could happen, because you could have innovated hovel, and uh, your principal life could be um nurt- the nurturing one. So you um you get to roll twice and pick the highest result. Um I would mostly say early on the best the best one to get is Dream of the Beast because your survivors are more than likely not very um very strong and yet you can and not but also the beasts aren't dealing lots of damage at this point in the game. So having someone that can help rip through monsters quickly or even a nemesis encounter quickly is uh is better than perhaps the other options um, that would be my suggestion yeah i think uh, but i think they're all pretty good yeah go on i
1: think i think red is definitely a a very strong way to go for the beginning um i'd probably i'd consider maybe picking blue if you uh if you're at a stage where you've actually got a couple of weapons or anything. If you can get that on a fast character, the additional luck is going to be handy and as we talked about with the um both the butcher and the white lion, even just that little bit of range that lets you stand outside of their immediate reaction uh can be hugely helpful
0: yeah especially if it's if it's range and you gain that amount in range due to blue affinities that's like that's you could you you could have someone that's armed with a bow attacking light from ten or so squares away which is quite um, quite a serious advantage yeah. um,
1: and it helps negate the fact that you can't move and shoot with the early lion bow
0: yeah cool, I think then um, that's pretty much it for this episode uh, next time we're going to have to look at the phoenix um, with that arrival and we'll look at some of the other story events that we've got in here um and uh what with the phoenix being the last quarry i think that move that then after that we'll be looking at um i think the next episode of that we'll mostly have to look at the um the kingsman uh because he's a pain in the ass um and mostly the hand um so, uh, if people want to get in contact with us, they can, uh, get us via, uh, darkadaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at Dark Day, uh, with Darkadays Radio. We're on Google Plus with the Dark Days Radio community. We've got the blog, uh, which has been a bit silent recently because I've not done any more painting recently or gaming. Uh, I will get on with that at some point soon. Um we've got our Twitter at dark days radio and we have got, as I said, there is quite a few video um, episodes coming up uh, in conjunction with beasts of war. So that's uh, www.beastsofwar.com. Yes. Is there anything else I've missed James?
1: Um, So yeah, if you guys are interested in kingdom death, Keep your eye on Kickstarter because that's going to be happening. Uh, that's going to be happening soon. And yeah, that's
0: literally like four weeks time.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you if you want to get into Kingdom of Death, that is probably that is going to be a great way to do it. Um,
0: yeah, we have no idea what's going to be going on. I, I hope it's meant to be mainly funding, trying to get it to a production level, so they could have. Uh, it enough units made so it can also be sold in shops because seemingly people have no problem buying a four hundred dollar game, um, and it is better p- that people can buy it that way or buy it via the Kickstarter uh, rather than the the level of um, uh, scalping of prices which happens on eBay and so forth, where people are sent, selling copies of Kingdom Death for like you know eight hundred dollars or or a thousand. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, Though, I mean, James, you still got one, there's still one expansion yet to ship, which is the Lantern Festival. Yeah. Uh,
1: Last word on the Lantern Festival is that it went through a bit of an overhaul. It was going to be a bit smaller, but now it's, um, it's kind of increased in scope. I'm really excited to to see anything about it. Can't wait for it to actually turn up. Um, And from some of the models that we've seen at uh, well yeah some of the models that have already been released via resins so you've got Frog Dog and the Griffin um, mm. and then there was the um, the Screaming Screaming God at
0: Screaming God at Gen Con and a Gen few Con. other things at Gen Con so we've still got those to look forward to so the question is whether um, depending on how well the uh, Kickstarter does is what kind of expansions get funded off the back of it um well i think the the point is i think many of these expansions are going to happen anyway i think the question is how quickly Mm -hmm. um and that's what the kickstarter will clearly help um push forward uh and also i i think there are some there's it depends whether there's also any development to go on with other games or other game variants based in the kingdom death uh Universe, um,
1: yeah. Because there was um, what was it? The uh, the Nightmare Ram ring? was originally Ram? A, uh, a dungeon crawling expansion.
0: Yeah, I think that's meant to be something to do with dungeon crawling. I wonder if that that would be like tiles that you put on the Kingdom Death board, so that the I... board is no longer. Um, so the board's no longer like open plan, but is actually, you know, passageways.
1: Yeah, I think the prototype I saw on um on the blog had uh, three small three by three tiles, and you laid yeah. those out in like in the pattern of the dungeon. Um,
0: you see, that would make sense actually if it's if it's an expansion monster which is fought via a network of tunnels because that totally changes how you have to attack.
1: Um, I think that would work for the. There was talk about a. Um, like a Firefox
0: or a... like a Ringtail Fox. Ringtail Fox yeah. expansion, which
1: was meant to be with tunnels and
0: whatnot. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting, though. Cool. Okay, so there's a lot also coming up, hopefully. Um, I guess that's it, really, for now. So, um, I think that's it for this episode, and we'll be back with you soon, hopefully with some more actual Chronicles of Darkness content. Um, So thank you for listening and good night.
1: Good night, everybody.